0: Hi, I'm Hannah Brown, and welcome to Better Tomorrow. My absolute favorite thing to do is have a heart-to-heart talk with my new friends and my best friends, where we sit down and talk about all the things like relationships and love, faith and self-care, and of course, the little things as well, like the struggle to figure out what to eat tonight. All in all, I really want to ask, how am I better today than yesterday, and bring artists, entrepreneurs, and friends along on the journey. So join me on the journey, will you? Roddy. I'm so glad that you're here today.
2: Thank you. Me too. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be able to just talk to you and have the listeners just hear all the like wealth of knowledge that you have for us. Um, For y'all listening, thank you for tuning back into Better Tomorrow. Today we have Roddy DeVlukia Shetty and I just had the best time like researching you and just like hearing all the, like I said, like you just have so much knowledge that honestly, I felt a little like out of my element. Cause there was so much that I didn't know, um, that you really had made your focus. you um, for you guys listening, Roddy is a plant-based cook and recipe developer. And then also has like her hands in so many different things. It's like a amazing entrepreneur and has a lot of things going on for herself, but also with your husband, Jay Shetty, which many of you I'm sure know. Um, but just thank you so much for being here again. And I'm so excited for us to talk about your new book that's coming out, your new first cookbook, Joyful. I'm showing it here for you guys that are watching. Um, first just want to say this book is beautiful.
2: Thank you. I know it really is. The photographer, her name's Alana and she just brought everything that I wanted to like, to feel through the pictures. She really captured it so beautifully. No, like that's, that was what I was going
0: to tell you. Like it really, it felt very intimate. Like, and I think that's what this book like is like from what I, I kind of started diving into it and just all your knowledge and also like a lot of where a lot of these recipes come from is based in like your, with your family and to really be able to see like y'all all all together in the book. But even like, just, I don't know. I I can tell you put a lot of thoughtfulness into it and how like the, the cover has your beautiful face on it, of course, but how you can take the sleeve off (laughs) and it has like this beautiful,
2: what type of, I don't, is this like
0: an, uh it's spices a plant in
2: India. it's called tulsi okay. and so you I have seen it in teas and things it's a it's a, a herb that's grown in India but it's also seen to be a sacred plant and so I had my friend draw it for me for that front of the book and I was so happy that I got to do both Well, you can have my face on it to know it's me but then like you can take it off and have it as a coffee table book too I, I love this so much I actually did
0: the same thing I wrote a um I wrote my first book and then I did a journal and I didn't want my face to be on a journal. Cause I feel like it's so personal and it's like, I don't want my face on somebody else's journal journal. So I, I did the same thing, but this book is just like stunning. I love the yellow. I just, I thought design wise, it's beautiful. And that's what you want a cookbook to be like displayed and be, you know, something that you want people to see. And you just did a beautiful job of that. And then, like you said, the photography is amazing.
2: I know. Thank you so
0: much for that. Feedback. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I am excited for you to kind of guide us through um what to expect in your book, but also just where all of this um your inspiration and just like life work comes from. And I feel like you've accumulated a lot over the years from some of the things that you've poured your life into. So can you just tell us more about your background in nutrition and just like overall mind-body wellness?
2: Yeah. So I um, I come from an Indian family and um, that's a place where usually food is the center of everything. And so I definitely grew up with my mom had a full-time job, but she still managed to cook us fresh breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And so I was really spoiled. My palate was very elevated from a young age because not only did she make us meals, they were all just packed with flavor and really thought out about how, what nutrients were getting in them. The vegetables she was using, the I was born vegetarian, and so the lentils and the beans and everything that she was you know, putting onto the plate, it was so thoughtful and also just so vibrant and delicious. And so my love for food definitely comes, I think, from having experienced that through you know, the love that I felt through eating the food, but then also watching my mom and how food and cooking was part of her love language too. And then um, she actually recommended that I, I wanted to be a doctor, as like a lot of Indian people do uh, when they're young. They're like, yeah, let's be a doctor. Um, but I didn't get the grades for that. And so my mom was like, why don't you try nutrition? And at that time, honestly, I don't think I was in a mind space to, I wasn't yet so enthusiastic about it. I was like, okay, cool. I can probably get into doing it. Let me do that. So I started, started studying it. And then I realized how much I loved learning about how food affects our body and the intricacies behind it of how you break down different foods and what they get made into in our body. And so I learned a lot of the science and you know, the studies behind those things during my nutrition degree, and then became a clinical dietitian where I worked in hospitals. And so I did everything from pediatric clinics to obesity clinics to diabetes clinics, you know, heart disease, um, people who are in hospital because they, you know, broken something, and they weren't able to feed through their mouth. And so, you know, there were so many things that I was doing in a hospital environment, and I loved doing that. Um, But then I moved to New York, Um, because my husband got a job there. And I wasn't able to use anything that I did in London that I studied in New York, because I didn't have a work visa. And so I was basically studying for about six years and couldn't use any of it. And so I threw myself back into study. And luckily, I came across, you know, when you're searching and just the right thing happens at the right time the right people you end up meeting and I had those moments in New York where I met this incredible Ayurveda teacher and Ayurveda for anybody who doesn't know is a 5,000 year old you know the oldest health science to exist it's all about how you can use holistic and natural means to heal your body and understand your body and so I found a teacher and I was just like let me just follow you around because what you do is so fascinating to me. I would love to just intern with you. And so I started learning under her and started helping her with her workshops. And then it just fascinated me so deeply. I did my yoga teacher training there. And I I just felt like it was what I'd been looking for in that space of health and wellness that made complete sense to me. And so then I went on to do my Ayurveda health counselor course. And so yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've studied everything from Conventional nutrition um, and the Western medicine, but also Eastern medicine and Eastern philosophy um, and natural means of healing. And I kind of love the, you know, the marrying of both of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What has been the biggest difference from, like, what 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 has shifted the most from what you were taught going to school for nutrition, and mm-hmm. how you showed up working in the hospitals versus once you started really going all in with Ayurveda, like what have been the biggest shifts that you've seen that like kind of Western culture has yeah. gotten wrong or it's just like really different?
2: Um The main thing for me was that in, well, a few main things for me. One of them was that in Western medicine, we uh, cure the disease, whereas in in Eastern medicine, it's all about prevention. And it's all about finding the, finding the symptoms and uh, recognizing what your body is going through before it gets to the point of disease. There are so many different layers that we could notice before we get to the point of actually having the end disease. And so I love that aspect. And then another big thing was Ayurveda is so individual. It's based specifically on the person, on their body type, whereas in Western medicine um, and in Western healing, it is pretty much one size fits all. You end up, you know, giving the same medicine to everybody, the same advice to everybody, and same with nutrition. It was, if someone comes in for a diabetes clinic, I would be having to give the same first line advice, second line advice, third line advice, and it wouldn't really change uh, according to the person. And so it just made sense. I was like, everybody is so different. Like how I, my body might react to a tomato is so different to the way that your body will react to a tomato. And we don't even, we don't even get taught that or know that. And so a lot of Ayurveda is just about how can I tune into my body and learn my body, rather than in Western medicine where you just give the power of your health into other people's hands. Instead, Ayurveda teaches you know let let you understand your body, how to identify those symptoms, how to identify what foods are good for me, what foods are not you know don't don't actually um, serve my body as well, and then. Um, so it's a lot more empowering. I find I just felt so empowered with my own body. Once I learned Ayurveda.
0: Yeah. I feel like I, um, am just now kind of understanding that like the whole one size fits all, like just doesn't work for me or really anybody. And I actually started working with like more of a holistic doctor and, um, it was in, uh, i worked with Dr. Amen at first, but anyway, he, yeah. um, helped me find like a holistic doctor that I found out I had like mast cell activation syndrome. Have you heard mm-hmm. of that? So I, I had, have like high, high histamine levels. Yes. And so it can be so hard because I'll be, you know, uh, I'll talk to someone and they'll be like, Oh, eat this, these types of foods. And I'm like, they're healthy. Like those are healthy foods. But for me, a tomato, you said tomatoes. It, it inflames yeah. me. Avocados, like they inflame me, but, uh, what's the other things? Uh, mushrooms, all great yeah. foods. I'm having, a, like, I've had the information and realizing like, okay, those just don't work for me. I'm having a harder time learning how to like tune in and find like better alternatives for me that are still healthy. Like I'm still on that journey, but just even realizing that my body doesn't even though there's no like it's not like good or bad foods it's just good or bad for for my yeah. own body.
2: Yeah, that's H- what I it's actually good or bad. Nothing yeah. is good or bad, but it's how does it make my body feel? And I love what you said about um when you know when other people are telling you or you know you're on an online space where there are so many people saying this salad changed my life and this ingredient is something that is a superfood and you should have it and it will make you feel amazing and so. We're so used to tuning into other people's version of health that we yeah. completely you know, dampen the voice of our own health. And so that's why, like for ages, I'm sure you thought, no, but avocados are amazing. They're healthy fats. Let me keep eating them. I had them. one
0: every day. I, I had a whole avocado every day because I loved them. I, I'm like, I think they're like the best. But yeah. I noticed my stomach was bloated every single day. And when I really started going down, what is the like one thing that is like constant in my diet? It was uh, avocados. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really like, sad because they're so delicious. I but,
2: know. Yeah. I You <laughs> love an avocado. But, it, but it's true with even things like salads. You know, there was a the whole era where everyone was like salads are the healthiest thing to eat. Eat a salad every single day. But people were failing to recognize how it was affecting their gut so many people had gut issues from eating raw salads because their digestion just was not strong enough but because it's the healthy option and it's going to help me lose weight and it's going to do all those things it's like you kind of push past push beyond your body's barriers or your body telling you like raising its hand to you saying hey this isn't working for me and mm-hmm. so those moments where we keep pushing our body's barriers. So your body tells you once, it then tells you again, it tells you again and again. And eventually you keep pushing past those points where you end up in with some sort of disease, whether it's an autoimmune disorder, whether it's gut issues. And so our body actually tells us from the moment it's starting to suffer, we just kind of ignore it because we let our mind take over our body. One thousand
0: I thought I felt everybody's stomach hurt after they ate. Oh, no you know I just, oh. I just thought that was normal and so I'm really learning how to tune into that um one thing that I loved um that I have changed too that I feel like you would probably like from uh reading a little bit of your book it's I used to drink coffee every day like tons of coffee
2: yeah
0: also same thing like my stomach hurt after um <laughs> I drank it, but I, I loved, I loved the taste, loved the way it made me feel. And I switched to tea actually after I went to um, London for the first time. And I, I had a really actually good cup of tea. Nice. I was like, oh, I can get on board with this. Mm-hmm. But isn't there like, what would you say like coffee versus tea? Like how do we get more tea drinkers here in America? Because I definitely feel like a minority, especially down South. I'm not seeing a lot of people drink, drink tea with me.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, um, I actually love the flavor of coffee. Like, if I yeah, can have a so coffee, good, I, I love the flavor of. I love the smell of it. There's like, there's so much about it that's attractive. But I always say it's not that you should completely power out a coffee. But if your body is reliant on anything but the basic nutrition that you are giving it, and it feels reliant on something to bring energy, to bring uh, a change in mood in your body, like if there's something that you are relying on, that's when you have to learn and recognize that your body is obviously lacking something and it's not the caffeine. You've made your body reliant on the caffeine. And so your body's like, I don't have to, I don't have to work hard to make energy to assimilate all those nutrients that I'm eating into my body and make it into energy. No, because she's going to give me coffee and it's going to make me feel great. So why should I have to work and why should the, why should I have to put in any effort when I know it's going to be provided for me? And so it kind of makes our body lazy to even, Produce the energy that we need to make it through the day, but also see it as a sign that, wow, maybe I need more sleep. Maybe I'm deficient in vitamins and minerals. Maybe, um, you know, there's something happening that's deeper rooted because having to be reliant on a coffee every single day to wake me up or bring me energy is actually abnormal, even though it seems like the normal in society. And so I think it's. Um, when, you, when I learned that, I, I thought about food in that way, where I'm like, if I feel like I need to have a chocolate midday every single day to, to boost my energy back up, that means I'm reliant on sugar. And my body's becoming reliant on sugar and caffeine every day to perk me up. What can I do instead? And so it really takes looking at the rest of your lifestyle, the other foods that you're eating that accompany like your meals every single day thinking, is this providing enough energy that I need? Is it giving me enough nutrition that I need to uh, sustain me till my next meal, to sustain me throughout the day and what I want to do. Um, But tea drink, but you know, I have a tea company. um, And I have been a tea drinker from such a young age, you know, tea, Chai is part of my culture, and then drinking tea in London is such a big part of the culture too. And so, I definitely come from a tea background, uh, and my family is obsessed with having teas, herbal teas, um, masala. It's so good.
0: It's it is like my favorite. I mean, this was probably two years ago, and because it doesn't like give you like some insane like caffeine spike, but it's the joy of just like taking a little bit of time and um I don't know like I feel like you can't like it's a, like a slow thing to do for yourself and yeah. I don't drink and I don't feel like I over indulge in tea it's not like I have to drink it all day it's just like my special treat like in the morning and then in the afternoon and it obsessed. i think it's the best
2: well that's so nice yeah because with coffee what happens is you go through this cycle and so like you said you don't overindulge in it with coffee it's difficult not to because you have your high from the caffeine and then the slump and then the high from the caffeine and then the slump and it's during that slump you kind of just want to keep feeding that into your body and so i'd say i mean look a little bit of caffeine has been shown to do so much for our heart, and you know for so many benefits in the body but um everything in moderation like that's honestly the yeah. key the 90 year old grandma and she touchwood has been in such great health and i always think about what is it about her that's created this you know this energy throughout her life and constantly just having good immunity and i'm like you know what she's a moderate woman everything is in moderation no overindulgence mm-hmm. of anything in any part of her life Um, whether it's in physical things like buying things or whether it's in what she's eating or what she's drinking, everything is so moderate. And I'm like, that's actually really beautiful to be satisfied with just moderation and just what your body needs. Um, I think that's really important because we've kind of lost our hunger cues these days.
0: Oh, 1000%. And I feel like, like you said, it's kind of in everything. It it always seems like it's like more and more and more. We need to be yeah. more successful. We need yeah. more things. We need more friends. We need, um, to, to drink more, to eat more, to like, I don't know, to fill some type of void and not just actually just like fuel ourselves. I think that is a big, that's a big, a thing for us to take in is like in all ways of our life, how can we like be more moderate and feel satiated and in, in that?
2: Yeah, Definitely.
0: Um, there's one thing that really struck me in your intro of your book that you kind of like talk about how you examine ways that you kind of limited yourself and called yourself, and you kind of already did like you, you study your perpetual student, and you thought like this book would never happen because of that. And I really resonated with something that you kind of believed in yourself at one point that, like, um, you kind of had a hard time making decisions. I find myself having a hard times making decisions for myself, and even just like not really knowing what you brought to the table, like what you had to offer. And obviously, this book is out. <laughs> so, what kind of changed for you to overcome those feelings that you had or those beliefs that you had about yourself, so that you you are bringing things into fruition and and really showing up in the world.
2: Yeah, good question. A few things. One of them was, I have a spiritual teacher who said this one line, and it stuck with me um, till now. And I think about it every day when I feel those same feelings, that knowledge is useless unless it's shared. And, you know, if you know it, you have to share it, because the accumulation of knowledge within us has no benefit. What has benefits mm-hmm. end up learning. And then in that way, you end up sharing. And so I, I absolutely loved hearing that. And then that kind of propelled me a little bit. And then I also thought about how we are all so lucky to have come into contact with different teachers. Like very few of us have had the same teachers in in our lives. And so by teachers, I even mean my mom who cooks for me in that way at a young age, my grandma who teaches me about moderation, my, um, you know, my spiritual teachers who've taught me so much, my Ayurveda teachers. There are so many people, if you think about your own life, that have been the thread of th- teachers throughout. And so I see it as kind of like a a re- a way I can repay my teachers that have taught me by sharing it with other people. And so instead of seeing myself as the teacher, I can see myself as a vessel or an instrument to share all those things that have been passed on to me and pass them, pass them to other people.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Of- yeah. Sorry.
0: No, I, I, I totally agree. I think, um, how I kind of related to that thought before that belief before is sometimes, and I feel like I'm not alone in this, like you'll think you'll, you'll have the knowledge, but you're like, Oh, but I don't think I'm the one to teach because somebody else is actually just like a lot better at explaining this or has more experience. Oh. But one thing I actually have, like, behind me, I have this big board of like different, like, it's kind of like a vision board, but also like little sticky notes of things that I hear that just like, I try to remind myself. And one of them is um, like, yes, maybe it has been done or said, but it hasn't been done by you. And you might be the teacher that like comes along for somebody else. Look, one thing about me is I can be pretty bougie when it comes to my water. And if you're like me, you do not trust tap water. Like no, 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 that that stuff needs to be filtered and purified in some way. That's where AquaTrue comes in. So AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers work with no insulation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, these filters are affordable and long-lasting. So like no changing the filter every two to three months. Aqua True filters last from six months to two years. So I just got my Aqua True purifier in the mail and I am so excited about this because um, like I said, I can be a little picky when it comes to my water and for a while was really just trying to use the filter in our refrigerator, but I just, I could tell it wasn't tasting right, y'all. It wasn't tasting right and then started buying bottled water, but I really don't want to do that. So this is like going to be a game changer. I'm so excited. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code B at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H A N N A H B Hannah B Where are my engaged girls congrats you're engaged so am i now you may be like me wondering what's next if you're planning a wedding the first thing you need to know about is Zola Zola has everything you need to plan your wedding in one place including venue options and all your vendors plus you can get designs save the dates and invites build a free wedding website, create your registry, and stay on track and on budget throughout the entire process with their free planning tools. Zola has created everything you need to make the whole process super easy and hopefully actually enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on the couch. Look, I have just now opened the can of worms of all that is wedding planning, but I'm so thankful for Zola because it can help make wedding planning so much easier for all of us engaged girlies. We need to be having fun. We need to be excited. It doesn't need to be a stressful process. And I feel like Zola can really help us engaged girlies enjoy this time of our life because we are celebrating the love that we have created and this beautiful new chapter in our life. And we do not need to be crying over napkins and invitations. So Zola's got us covered. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Although I'm not there yet myself, I know a lot of you listening have children and want to set up your child for success. So IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have had IXL when I was going through school because I really needed that extra help just to like get things implemented into my brain so that I could really know what I was learning and not just be like, I don't know. I had a good memory, but I don't think I actually learned something. But that's really through repetition. And I feel like IXL is wonderful for that. I think this is such a wonderful product for anybody who's like just struggling with a topic or just trying to get ahead, study for a test. It really can help in so many ways. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Better Tomorrow with Hannah Brown listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com slash Hannah B. Visit ixl.com slash Hannah B to get the most effective learning program out there for the best price. What was it for you that you, that kind of had you kind of stuck in that mindset of like, I don't know, not being able to step up to be like, I can be the one that like uses my knowledge and people can listen to me. What was the hurdle for me? Yeah
2: um i think the hurdle for me was not having enough moments in my life where i can trust in my own abilities and so i, I feel that so much uh, yeah always outsourced like if i i never wanted to do things by myself because i didn't believe i could and so mm-hmm. as this child everything was kind of done for me um if I ever had any hardship, someone would bail me out. If I didn't finish my dissertation for college, my sister would stay up all night with me. And, you know, there's so many things where I would get to a difficult point And instead of helping myself through it or believing I can do that, I always allowed other people to be the savior in my life. And so I think I had too many savior moments and not enough saving myself moments. So when it came to actually thinking, wow, this is going to have my name on it. And this is going to be something I have to share. I hadn't built confidence in myself to even believe that it was possible because all the little things along the way, I hadn't done that with. And so I had to, and I had spent a little bit of time before I ended up, you know, agreeing to write this book, I spent a lot of time trying to say yes to things, completing things, listening to my own voice, um, trying to do things, even if I believed I couldn't, at least let me try. And if I fail, I fail, but I've tried it myself. And so I had to pretty much, you know, fall back in love with myself and create a, a loving, trusting relationship with myself to believe anything I did was possible and so i think that's a long it's a long process i feel like i'm still on it you know once you finish something you're thinking about the next thing and you know all those thoughts start all over again but i think it is about building trust and confidence in yourself and that only comes by you actually trying things for yourself and listening to your own voice rather than other people's
0: oh i mean i'm why it re, like really resonated with me is cuz i am like on that journey too i feel like i had this big realization that I do a lot of things because people will say, oh, you should do that. Or that is like, and I'm like, okay. And then I do it. Okay. Like I I don't, don't feel like I can somehow get it done, but I do have to lean on a lot of others, but it's that same thing. Like I'm not really actually taking control or trusting myself to make a decision for what is going to be the next thing. It's just like, oh, you should do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know if I'm. I can't even be, I'm not um, fully yet in tune with myself to know, is that really what I want to do? You saying that in your book and then just like hearing how you've, you're overcoming it, but it's still like an everyday thing. I think that's what a lot of people have to realize. Like you can learn slowly how to show up for yourself in small steps and it'll happen, but it's still like something you have to like actually it's a practice which means that you have to have like reps in um
2: for me last year I had to I went through a phase of just saying yes to everything like I really didn't want to speak on stage it was something that I so scared of being in public with lots of people around me mm-hmm. and it was something that everyone was like you should do it you're getting all these opportunities why don't you try it so I tried it and I did it but I realized it wasn't something I enjoy and so sometimes it's not about even knowing beforehand it's about just saying yes trying it and then realizing, oh, that didn't sit well with me. That actually yeah. made me happy. Even if I can't, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And I've started trying to practice that where I could do this and I could do this and make it into something that, you know, could potentially be something big, but do I want to? And so there's, you know, we have to learn how to differentiate between those.
0: Yeah, no, I, this, um, this actually <laughs> kind of came up yesterday for me too. Yeah. Um, because this is something that I'm working on. Cause I can, a lot of times say no, cause I'm scared of yes, doing something. Um, and so my initial re- response can be no, unless somebody it's like, you should do this. And I'll be like, okay, I'll try, but I'm going to need the help cause I can't do it myself. But I had like a shift yesterday of when I do say yes to something. Cause a lot of times it's no, I feel like I have to do it. Um, and, there are some, and then I don't really listen to myself or what I need because I'm like, you said yes, you have to follow through. You needed to get it done because I have so much shame for in the past maybe not doing that because I wanted to kind of change that pattern and yeah, say yes, do the things that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But there are also times where in doing that, you're actually not like listening to yourself. I think there's a yes, you have to push yourself in a lot of times, but there are some times that you have to like really be present and what you need. That's why I kind of want to go back and talk, talk about the Ayurveda stuff, because I feel like that is all about being like in tune with your body. And I don't really understand what it is at all. Like, is this like a a lifestyle practice? Is there some type of like spiritual component in it? Just can you tell us a little bit more?
2: Um, I mean, it's as, Ayurveda incorporates everything. Ayurveda means life and Veda means knowledge. So it's essentially just the life science. Okay. And it can incorporate. You can do just the, you know, just learn about the um, the food practices. You can learn about the relationship between consciousness and the food and how food impacts our, like, mental state. You can get it deeper. T- I mean, an Ayurvedic doctor, it takes, like, eight years or something to do to actually fully even get wow. to practicing. And so it's as it's as um, simple or as complicated as you want it to be. And so it does involve, because it's a holistic practice, it involves our mind, body, and our spirit. And so it believes that everything that we do, everything that we allow into our senses, including the food that we eat, has the ability to impact not just our body, but our mind and our spirit too. And so there is um, there is a spirit aspect, but not um, not according to like different religions or anything. It is just... Mm-hmm. It, it incorporates the soul because the soul is part of us and our spirit is part of us. And so how can what we do on a daily basis, not shade effect or, you know, uh, or add layers on top of it. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's so many different aspects of it, but the, but the basics is how am I going to optimize my external environment and my internal environment to create optimal health for myself? and t- learning how to do that. So that's really the premise of it.
0: Yeah, I really was interested in how it uses like the natural rhythms of life and like the 24-hour cycle. Yeah. I I thought that was really interesting and made a lot of sense. Can you like share more about how important it is to like sync your life in the way that you like eat and live with the cycles of life to like experience balance and what are like you just said like it takes eight years for somebody to like really become an expert in this but like what are some small ways that we can start incorporating this
2: i mean i feel like i'm still such a beginner in my learning of it but or I've basically just incorporated in the book all the basic tips where it has those things have changed my life even if I just do those basics that has changed so much of my life that even if it can be complicated we can pick and choose which parts of it we want to take on and so I just want to pre- preface it with that because even though it sounds complicated once you actually learn it it's actually more just oh this makes sense to me this actually feels
0: it's intuitive because yeah. yeah
2: and so yeah in the book I talk about the natural rhythm of uh, connecting back to nature and so one of the reasons we actually f- get a lot of disease in our body in according to Ayurveda is because of our disconnection to nature we don't live in nature we are actually part of nature and so the way that the rhythm of nature exists so whether it's seasons whether it's the um the sun rising and the moon uh, uh, to the moon rising all of those energetic shifts affect our body too and so for example when we wake up in the morning um after our digestion follows the same rhythm, and so when you wake up in the morning, your your gut and your digestion has been resting for nearly, let's say, eight hours, and so um, your digestion is almost like a fire. It 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 uh, it describes it like a fire, and so in the morning, your digestion has to be stoked, not overwhelmed. You can't just chuck lots of things into your body because your digestion is still just waking up, and so. Um, and the same with our body, like getting into something really intense and listening to really loud music in the morning. Our body is just waking up. And just like just like the sun is rising, our body is just coming alive. And so we should do things according to that. And so when you're eating, eat things which are um, lighter to digest, things which aren't too heavy for you to start getting your digestive system ready to eat. And then as the sun is at its peak, which is in the afternoon, that's exactly when our digestion is the strongest. And so that's when we can actually eat, eat the foods that are the richest, the higher in uh, complex carbohydrates. Like the, the heavier meals can be eaten in the afternoon and are digested better in the afternoon. And then as the sun starts to, starts to dip in the evening, that's actually when we should be having our lighter meals. And there's been so many studies to show that when people are eating lighter meals in the evening, their sleep quality improves, their sleep duration improves. Um, the way that people dream is so different. Like they get less frequent dreams or you know uh, nightmares at night. Like there's so many things that are associated with eating smaller meals in the evening and giving your gut that time to, to actually rest. Because when you end up eating, Close to bedtime, your body is still digesting as it's trying to rest. And so your body doesn't actually get to rest. Mm, And so to actually get full rest, that's why a lot of the time we wake up, we've slept for eight hours and we're like, God, I'm still so exhausted because our body was still working through the night. Um, And so, yeah, we can gain so much from understanding the rhythm of nature. And even if you think about seasons and eating food that is grown in the environment that we are living in, our body, is living in this environment. And so eating food that is created and made in this environment, of course that makes sense for it to be more beneficial to us because that's what we are tuned into. And so eating foods out of season and um, maybe, you know, even when you think about allergies and honey, people have to get honey from the place that they are living in. And that makes sense because that's the environment that we're in and that's the honey that's going to work the best for us. And so... um, yeah, there's there's such a beauty, and it opens up a whole different world for you when you actually tune back into nature and you allow the energy exchange of nature and you. It's not just a one way thing where I'm going to take from nature. It's also that we we give out to nature, and also nature can strengthen and empower us too.
0: Yeah, no, it it see, like at first it seems so com- complex, but then like you said, like it actually is pretty intuitive. It's just not, it's so against culture. I We're think against, that's the issue because we've never been taught this, even though it's the most natural thing to do. Like even just like, I feel like most people like dinner is their biggest meal of like course. of yeah. the day. And honestly, like, it's like, oh, we, you skip lunch, if anything, you know? And yeah. it's like so backwards. So it's just learning how to, to decide to change. What would you say? Cause I feel like that's the hardest thing is to like really start making the steps to change. Cause it make like even for me, I'm like, this makes so much sense. But what would you say to people that kind of start feeling that? Like, oh, okay, it makes sense, but like start feeling that
2: resistance. Mm-hmm.
0: What I is your advice?
2: It's actually not adding anything, it's stripping things back. Mm-hmm. And so complicated because you think you're adding to your life but actually if you think about it if we were told from when we were born when we started speaking what is your body telling you what is your body asking of you what do you feel like eating today how is your gut feeling today like if we were asking ourselves all those questions growing up that would have been our normality Mm -hmm. and so when you think about the changes and shifts you have to make now I would say it all starts with observation and listening so observe how is my body feeling throughout the day because that's what we've stopped doing we've stopped listening to our cues we've stopped hearing our body we've stopped listening when it is saying something and so before you need to change anything just listen start mm-hmm. by start by paying attention and one great way of doing it is writing down if you're having if you want to change the way that you're eating for example write down what you're eating and how it's making you feel so 2 hours later say oh this you know my gut feels a bit like this, or my uh, I've got a bit of a headache. I'm feeling lethargic. Start noticing the foods you're eating and their reaction in the in your body, and that's a great way to start. Mm-hmm. So start with that, and then experiment and start adding things in. So if you want to incorporate more vegetables, pick three a week that you want to try out and start experimenting with them with some spices and different herbs, and so. Yeah, it is a bit of effort because looking after yourself is going to be effort either way, but it's going to be effort if you end up getting unwell later or it's going to be effort now to help prevent and protect. So which effort do you want to go through? Because both are an effort.
0: (laughs) So, so, so true. And also like, I feel like there's compassion and all that. Like we weren't taught this. We weren't taught. So like, yeah, you're going to find yourself feeling that struggle because it is new, but like it's the small things like I don't think anybody and even you say this in the book. It's not like you take this book and you do everything all at once. No, you can't. One thing um, I- and be successful, but it's just like starting like you said to just like listen. Today is about looking for new ways to better ourselves, but sometimes that means looking in a totally different place or even a different state. In South Dakota, travel is transformative. It's good for the soul. It's the kind of place to just let go, to escape from routine and predictability of life, to put down the phone and pick up a sense of adventure and to see the world a little bit differently, as in not through our screen. Life in South Dakota is about unplugging from it all and connecting with the world around you. It's about being open to real surprises and treating your senses to a real, raw, natural beauty that doesn't need a filter. Whether you're exploring the mountains and trees of the Black Hills, hiking through the Badlands, navigating the wild towns, or camping under the stars, South Dakota is the place to get a little lost and find yourself along the way. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at travelsouthdakota.com. There are a lot of times that I shouldn't have trusted my gut. It usually involves some type of ice cream and pizza situation where I think it's totally okay to eat a whole pint of ice cream or a whole pizza. Probiotics can't help you with most of your gut decisions, but if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. Ritual has made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, prebiotics, probiotics and postbiotics to support a balanced gut microbiome all in one minty capsule, no refrigeration needed ritual products are rigorously tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes and heavy metals. They are a female founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just the company's financial health, but also the health of people in our planet. I love my ritual products, but I really, really love the symbiotic plus I take it every day. I love the little minty capsule because usually, you know, some of the little things that we have to take for our gut just don't smell, taste the best, but I love the minty flavor. Um, but it's something that I just think has really helped me um, and my gut health. And there's no shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash for 25% off. One thing that I need your help with, though, is I... <laughs> I don't really enjoy cooking at this moment and it's because it makes me feel it's new and it feels, I can yeah. get really anxious and mm-hmm. it can feel stress as soon as I step into the kitchen. And even you saying like, just find uh, like add in some three different vegetables this week or use the spices. I'm like, I don't know. What don't is it? That's, what, do do?
2: what is what, if you think about it in your mind, like what is the stress or the anxiety or the fear coming from? Like, the fear of it not working or the fear of it not tasting good, or you know, what is the where does the fear root from? And I just- think it's yeah, I think it's
0: a performance of, um, I'm gonna do all this, and then what if the result is not something that people enjoy? Um, and so it may, <laughs> it goes back to what we talked about. I'm like scared to even try, like. Try or when I do try, I just feel like super overwhelmed because it's just me in the kitchen. I can't lean on anybody else.
2: Yeah.
0: And um, or if if somebody else is in the kitchen, what ultimately happens is I get them to do all the stuff that feels hard. So as soon as I get in there by myself, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And um
2: yeah, it just so where to start so um I feel like the best place to start if you're like if you feel that way is number one. Thinking of all the foods you love eating, like think about all the things that you would you love actually eating on a on a daily basis. What what are your normal takeout orders? What are the things that you usually go towards? And then honestly, type in meals under thirty minutes that are very simple. Like type that into Google or find a cookbook that you love uh, that that sounds great. Because there will be times I've got things wrong so many times in the kitchen when I was creating these recipes. I did 185 to 190 recipes that I was experimenting with. And some of them were horrible. Some of them (laughs) were like, oh, I was like, how did I even think this was going to work with this? But isn't that what, like, every part of our life is that we don't know and we always want to stay in our comfort zone because our nervous system always wants us to feel comfortable. But the only time we end up growing is when we put ourselves into that slight discomfort. And so I'd say make it really simple for yourself. Think of what you love eating already so you already know you're in a safe space. I am I already know what to expect. You, you're not making something which is like, you know, maybe, I don't know, an Indian dish that you've never heard of and that, you know, you've never never really come into contact with so you don't even know how what it tastes like. No. Mm-hmm. Something that you've eaten from childhood. Like, start there. A comfort food that you love eating. And then find a recipe that you feel most, like, attracted to or that seems the simplest and just start from there. Because as soon as you have one success in the kitchen, you're going to be like, oh, my God, if I made this, I could so make this and I could so make this. And yeah. by the way, put no pressure on So order takeout beforehand just so you know that there's an option off no i'm serious like order something
0: good no i like that okay
2: this fails there's no pressure i have these 30 minutes i'm gonna i'm gonna use these 30 minutes if it works well i'll eat it if it doesn't i'll i'll put it outside put it in the compost and i'm gonna i'm gonna eat this takeaway that i bought so take off the pressure whatever that pressure is you're feeling get the takeaway Find a simple recipe, give yourself a time period or a time limit that you're going to make in because a lot of the time it's like, oh, I'm going to waste all this time cooking and then it's going to be horrendous. So 30 mm-hmm. minutes slot to do it in. And then you know that if it doesn't work out, cool, maybe I'll try next week again. I'll try another yeah. recipe. We can see how it goes. So, um,
0: yeah, that's good advice. I think one thing is I want to change the way that I eat, mm-hmm. um, to like my comfort foods from my childhood. Like, I don't really think that they hurt my stomach, you know? So, um, and that's one thing I kind of want to talk about because your book is plant-based, you are vegan, but I am intrigued by it. I kind of just want to know your background like when did you decide to go plant-based and how has that like enhanced your life and then what would you say to people who are like me that maybe aren't plant-based themselves but like are interested like where could they start like in your cookbook like what is like an easy way in Would you say yeah
2: sure um so I was actually born vegetarian okay. um it part of my culture part of my family um everybody in my family has been vegetarian and so I was I was so, like born- nobody's had meat in your no. family No, well, my dad, so my dad was born vegetarian, came to uh, college in the UK, uh, kind of got forced to eat meat because they told him he was too skinny, but then when he married my mom, went back to being vegetarian, but so generations of my family have just been vegetarian, Um, and so born vegetarian, and then I decided to turn plant-based about 10 years ago, because my sister, was reading this book called Eating Animals by James Safran. And she read it. She was like, I'm turning vegan. And she's four years older than me. And I loved everything she did. And I was like, I'm turning vegan too. She was like, wait, read the book. Figure out why you're turning vegan. Um, And so then I read the book and I just honestly couldn't unsee what I saw, couldn't unlearn what I learned Mm -hmm. about the industry, about how the animals are treated. And I guess the baseline for me was just, is another living being suffering worth my satisfaction? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what it boiled down to. And so slowly, I didn't do it all at once, over like a six-month to a year period, I started just cutting things, little things out. So first it was changing the milk I was using. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm settled with that. Then it was, um, you know, the dishes that I loved that had cheese or milk or dairy in it, I would start trying to substitute and start trying to find alternatives for it. I loved yogurts. What yogurts can I have instead? Um, and then eventually, cheese was the last thing I cut out. I was going to ask, what was the hardest thing? Cheese. cheese, cheese and chocolate. <laughs> cheese and chocolate was the hardest. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, eventually I got there. And I honestly have never looked back. And the benefits that I found was, oh, like so many. One, my skin, like on a on a surface level, my skin had never been better. Um, my digestion had never been better um and then on a consciousness level I just believe that every food carries energy and so as soon as you you know if you're eating something that is that has been created through some sort of suffering you end up mm-hmm. at- in assimilating that into your body. Um, and it sounds a bit woo-woo, but it's really not. Because if you think about what happens to our hormone levels and what happens to even our blood work when we're anxious or when we have something going on in our body, you see it through our body. So imagine someone was then taking my flesh when I was, you know, when I was uh in anxiety and then mm-hmm. and getting that same thing into their body. And so um there's that, and then also what dairy has now become because there's one thing about having pure dairy that's from an animal that has been treated in the right way and fed the right things, but a lot of the dairy we eat nowadays is actually 80% filled with things that we have no idea that's in there. The amount of actual dairy that's in there, because of what the animals are pumped or fed, it's just not the right quality. Which is why we're getting a lot of is- health issues that usually you'll go to the doctor and that you know, or a nutritionist, and they'll say maybe you need to cut dairy out because. Mm-hmm. That- Trigger for the inflammation in your body, um, for your skin and acne, for you know, whatever it is that you're struggling with. And so um, I totally understand that when you've been born and raised in a certain way, it's so difficult to even think about a change. But that's why I, I, I love the idea of starting one day at a time. So let's say you meet five days a week. Pick one day that you want to try a plant-based meal. Pick one day and then. By the way, don't rush into it because what I had to do was I had to think, okay, I get these things from dairy. So whether it's my calcium, you know, all the things that people are scared of my protein. So you have to also pay time and attention to how am I going to get those things that I need? So my body doesn't feel like it's missing it. And so mm-hmm. I based base alternatives of this is how I'll get my protein. And this is how I'll get my calcium in my diet, or these are the supplements that I'll end up taking. And so that first initial period of the changing over takes a lot of learning and maybe a little bit more time but in the long run it 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 really isn't as scary as you think because you just have to take it one day at a time and I will say that it's easier to actually pick meals that are already vegan or vegetarian like if you're if you're changing rather than trying to find meat alternatives or trying to substitute find cuisines and dishes that are already so if you like you know if you're thinking of having a a a plant-based meal one day have a lentil dish because a lentil mm-hmm. dish is naturally vegetarian or vegan anyway um have a dishes with lots of beans and lentils and pulses in it so that you feel like you're getting a hearty meal but also you're not thinking about oh if i was eating this and it had meat in it it would taste so different you know yes yeah, yeah.
0: i think about that sometimes i'll be like okay i think i'm gonna do this but it's one of my favorite meat dishes so it's like exactly it doesn't taste like this it doesn't taste the
2: same like this pizza, I thought it was going to be a cheesy stringy pizza and this cashew cheese is not doing it. Yes, not like, the same. Yeah, don't yeah. It. do the bits that, that are naturally part of a plant-based diet. And then if you want to start adding in those, you know, those false, the, uh, the alternatives if you, if you need them in your life. But yeah, I hope that was
0: helpful. No, it definitely helped. What is like, because I have your cookbook and mm-hmm. I am like, I have been slowly like, printing out recipes, doing things for myself. So it's not like fully new. Yeah. And every time I cook something, it's like, it's okay. I, my fiance is like, Hannah, you haven't made anything
2: that's like really bad. It's just, I haven't
0: found like my thing yet. You yeah. know, that like wow dish. I'm, I'm wanting that. Do you
2: love spices? Do your- I like spices? Some spices in your food? Um, I actually, I do,
0: but then I went to a Thai restaurant the other day and I was like, okay, maybe I'm I, I thought I could handle spices, but this was like really
2: spicy. Yeah. So, not like chili spices, but the flavor spices. Yeah. Like, I love spices. Your cupboard with spices will be the difference between like an average meal and then a meal that just feels vibrant with flavor. So, definitely suck up on herbs and spices because I feel like that's the key to really vibrant meals.
0: And not only vibrant meals, but also like I was, um, looking in the back of your book, because you have like all, like a list of like yeah. all your favorite spices and like how the medicinal, can, like, them. yeah, like what they do. Yeah, that but was really I interesting. Can, like, no,
2: I turned to my spice box as my medicine box, and I have from when I was a child, my mom would give me spices when I have coughs and colds, my mom would put turmeric patties on my cuts when I would, you know, hurt myself, and so honestly, spices are such potent medicine. And so I use my spice box as my, like, it's my under to help with my immunity, my digestion, um, to help detox my body. Like there's so many things spices can do on a subtle level if you incorporate them every single day. And so I, I live by spices. Yeah. I
0: guess I'm like, I don't even know how, how to, like, I was looking, I'm like, how do you incorporate it? Do you put it in like some type of Tea on your food? Like, do you just like put it on whatever food? It's still hard for me to be like pair a
2: spice with a dish. Yeah. One way that I do it, which is so easy, and it doesn't mean you have to incorporate it into a meal, is in the morning I will boil coriander seeds, cumin seeds, and fennel seeds. It is the the trio in Ayurveda that's considered like the queen of spices, and it helps with digestion with Purifying your blood with um, stoking your digestion in the morning. And so you do them in equal parts: one teaspoon cumin seeds, one teaspoon fennel seeds, one teaspoon coriander seeds. You boil them in water and you drink them as tea. You love tea. So you'll probably Yeah. Love. So you
0: just drink the water and then I would just like put
2: one of those strainers. So like, or do you actually eat the no, seed? You don't have to eat the seeds. You can put it into one of those disposable tea bags or okay. you can strain it out. And um Brilliant way to get spices in. You've already got three in in the morning and it like it, you'll feel it in your gut. Like it feels good drinking them. So I'm, don't want to add it into your food. Don't like for now, start adding it into your teas. I can do the drinks, I think. I yeah. mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. And if you do, it's in the book. So there's a recipe in there that will, that helps you. Okay, perfect. It. But
0: yes, um, what would be a, a recipe that you would say, Hannah, you, you should start here.
2: What oh, um, are some of your favorite? Say, Yeah, my rainbow, um, my rainbow noodles. So good. Everything in one pot. Noodles, veggies, you know, lots of a great sauce that goes with it. There's also my um, roasted red pepper and tahini tagliatelle. All the ingredients go into a blender. And then all you have to do is boil the pasta, mix it in together. Really flavorful. Um, And then what else would I say? Oh, my naan pizzas. I've got naan pizza four way. You can buy the naans ready made and you're just topping them off with lots of different types of veggies and different sauces. So yeah, I'd say there are lots of the recipes in there go from being simple, like 30 minute recipes or less to being um, something a little bit more fun and complex that you might want to do when when people come over. That's
0: no, I, I am excited to try those. The rainbow noodle one was the one that I was thinking I might (laughs) get, but it's just, it's not only like, like I said, like the, everything looks delicious in this book because all the pictures are so vibrant, but I'm really excited to like really expand my palette, but also just like the knowledge I have and just the understanding of how like food is not just like it's not just something that like we get by on but it can really like fuel the way that I want to live my life Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what's really um evident in the way that you show up is it's not it's like Everything that you do just really is mindful of how you want to, like, show up in the world. And so that mm-hmm. makes you have to, like, think, like, okay, so if I want to show up this way, how, what am I going to do? What am I going to put in my body? What what am I going to put out into the world? And it, it doesn't all have to be done at once, like we said, but, like, it is – it's important to like evaluate all parts of your life. And it's really cool to like have you as somebody that I'm inspired by, but I'm sure a lot of the um, people listening are um, to see just how you can do that in all the different aspects of life. So thank you for showing up for us and,
2: and stepping into that role. Oh, well, thank you. And thanks for even flicking through my book and reading it. It means so much to me. And honestly, please, I want you to make one of the recipes and send me a picture. Okay, I will.
0: it might not look like the
2: picture in the book. Oh, great. It, forget the picture. Just tell me if you like it or not.
0: Okay, okay. No, I'll send a picture. Just, just okay. know I'm not a uh, – my photography skills could use a little help too. But <laughs> seriously, thank you so much for just yeah. spending the time with me today and teaching me more about just Ayurveda, just plant-based eating, and just like how to live a more conscious lifestyle. Um, I feel really, really inspired. And I know that was just from spending, you know, 30 minutes, an hour flipping through your book and then having this conversation. So I really feel like the way that you show up and the things that you're putting out into the world, you're being a a teacher that your teachers would be really proud of.
2: Thank you. And whenever you're in LA, I will cook you a meal. So let me know. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> um, maybe
0: I can like, you know, be in the kitchen and like watch you do a thing, maybe pick up a thing or two to bring back. I would, I would love that. Sounds great. Thank um, you. Is there anything else that you would want to share with um, our audience, our guest? Um, oh, our, I feel like
2: not, you were so thorough in everything that you were talking about. I, I feel like we covered everything. It was wonderful. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you again
0: so much for re- taking the time today. Thanks you guys, uh, Roddy's book, Joyful, comes out February. 27th? Yes. And you can go ahead and pre order it now. Seriously, it's just a beautiful book, first of all. If you can't tell, I'm obsessed. And it has some really beautiful and inspiring, just like messages in there. Of course, great recipes. So check it out. And I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Better Tomorrow is produced by me, Hannah Brown, and Legos Creative. Our producer is Andrew Stalmer. Our show is recorded, engineered, and edited by the Legos Creative Team. Remember to follow Better Tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and shows your support. You can follow me on socials at Hannah Brown, and you can stay updated on all things Better Tomorrow on our Instagram at Better Tomorrow and our TikTok Better Tomorrow podcast.